0: Podcast from Vet Partners, your knowledge base for all your on-farm veterinary know-how with our team of expert vets. My name is Claire Whittle and I hail from LL farm vets in the northwest, and I'm Amy Saran from West Point in the southeast, and we will be your hosts today. So each month, a new face from Vet Partners will lead the discussion with everything from dairy herds to alpacas on the agenda. But for now, in our first episode, we're going to be joining Laura Gibson from West Point, whose article on tightening calf blocks has been well received nationally will be discussing the benefits of tightening calf blocks not only for herd health but also to produce more uniform calf batches and ultimately strengthening the farm's financials. Welcome Laura. Hello. Hi Laura. Hi. <laughs> Laura this is a particular area I know you're interested in and have done a lot of work around so could you give us a bit of an overview on how tightening calf blocks is of such importance?
1: If we just talk about the financial side of things first so uh, mainly in beef we're talking about daily live weight gain Um, And the heavier calf is by the time you come to sell it, the more money you're gonna get essentially. So if you have a calf born right at the beginning of the season and a calf born right at the end, let's say there's four months difference um, in their age, the older calf at the time of selling can be worth up to about 200 pounds more than the one that was born at the end of the season. So the longer they have to grow before you're gonna sell them, the more money you're gonna end up getting. and also, everyone knows when you go to market, a group of uniform calves that all look similar weight sell so much better than a group of calves that go in there that are all different. Um, so that helps things as well, definitely. On a calf health side of things, if you have a shorter calving block, um, then you're going to have less of a pathogen load because the calves are in there for less time. Pathogens don't build up as much, and your calf health will be better, so less pneumonia and less scours. Um, Also, if you don't have so many older and younger calves, the older calves um, tend to bully the younger calves out of the creep feeder. So if everything's of um, similar size and similar age, you get less of that. Um, And then I say, finally, it's a a labor side of things. So we'll go to farms and often the farmers are really tired because they've got a drawn out uh, calving block. They're up at night checking the calves all the time. So general morale is better when you have a shorter calving block. Uh, because people can concentrate a smaller amount of time on uh, being up in the night. They know they're gonna be tired for this small block of time and then their time can be distributed um, other places over the farm. So when you say a pathogen load, um, what would that mean in real terms? So what would a farmer be looking out for in terms of a pathogen load? Okay, so if you have um, too many pathogens in a shed, so if you've got a dirty shed because you've got a lot of calves in there, Um, pathogens build up and you would see more more things like pneumonia your pneumonia cases would be more than you'd expect them to be and also scours as well so your calves aren't going to thrive they're not going to gain weight as they should be because they're struggling to fighting infections fighting fighting viruses so they can't put all of their energy into growing all right I understand so um is it
2: just a question of like health benefits for the calves or are there what what in real terms is the monetary gain to be had Um, by by tightening up that block
1: so the if we talk about it in in terms of costs of let's say you had um, an empty cow for example is that the kind of thing you're asking Amy the the costs of carrying a cow that that wasn't actually in calf. yeah so um, I had a little think about this and let's say, I mean, it's going to vary on different farms and different systems, but roughly three pounds a day, if you're feeding good quality silage and concentrate, it's going to cost you about three pounds a day um, to feed a cow. Now, if she's empty, let's say you house your cow for six months of the year. I mean, that'd be about maximum at three pounds a day. That's going to cost you 500 pounds in feed alone. I'm not talking about housing, bedding up. Let's say you sell a cold cow for a brand, you're taking away £500 from that £1,000, you're halving your profit at least by keeping a cow that's empty. If you found out she was empty far earlier, so if you had all your cows scanned before you housed them, you could get rid of her far earlier and therefore would be losing less money. Um, But yeah, by having empty cows, it costs you a lot of money.
0: You've also said, Laura, that your so this long carving block can have an effect on the cost, and what it sounds like you potentially other areas you could save money is in terms of medicines as well.
1: Absolutely, yeah. So you save money. Um, well, you make more money by having a better live weight gain. Um, you would reduce your costs in uh, medications. So from the vets, also vet bills of vets coming out to look at these sick animals if you weren't happy in treating them yourself. Um, so yeah, there are quite a few areas where you would end up spending more money than you would like. So, so if this is like
2: um, a really profitable way to to tighten up your head, what are the barriers to achieving it? Why why are some people not getting these tight carving blocks?
1: Yeah. Um, so in my article, I covered just two areas, but it is a massive subject. So the two areas I think are most important is that anestrus period. So. Once a cow calves, she needs a certain period of time for her uterus to go back to its normal size. So when you calve, your uterus is large; it can it holds the calf, um, and then that needs to shrink back to how it was before the cow got pregnant. And her ovaries, um, which is what ha- uh, causes her to bull and therefore can conceive, need to return back to what we call normal cyclicity. So um, going back to their normal 18 to 24 day cycle. Um, this period normally lasts about 50 days in a beef cow, in a healthy beef cow. And there are certain things that can contribute to that being lengthened. Um, for example, something I talked about quite a bit was body condition score. So if you have a really skinny cow or even slightly skinny cow at carving, she will generally take longer to come back to um, cycling again to be able to conceive. Um, this is also um, made w- worse, if you like, by suckling. So the act of a calf suckling a cow um, prevents her from bullying, essentially. And then the other main point I spoke about was subfertility in bulls so interestingly and not many people uh, expect it when you tell them but one in five bulls actually are subfertile and that's not to say they're completely infertile and can't get anything in calf but a a normal fertile bull should be able to get a 60% conception rate when they're running with 40 to 50 uh, healthy cycling cows so a subfertile bull cannot achieve that and quite a lot of the time it can be due to the bull. This being said, there is a massive range of reasons why you might not be achieving what you should be in your herd or what you would expect to in your herd. And I mean, a few things, infectious diseases, parasites, Um, inappropriate feeding trace elements there are so many and that's why I urge people to talk to their vet and not just see their vet as someone that has to come out just for emergencies but to see them as someone that they can go to for advice and work through these problems and find out exactly where it's going wrong because there are so many things that can can be the reason why work with your vet to, to try and find out
0: you know what area you need to concentrate on um, and just going back to the um, ball fertility testing, uh, Laura, it's pretty straightforward, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, it's made up of two parts. So we actually look at the semen, we collect a, a semen sample and we have a look at that. And there's different things that they have to pass. So um, they have to be moving, they have to be moving in a pro- what we call a progressive manner. And then we look at the individual sperm and make sure that they're made up, right? And they actually have the ability to fertilise an egg. Um, And then also there is the general examination of the bull. So um, the bull might have perfectly good semen, but if it's got awful feet, it's not going to have any libido. It's not going to want to ride the cow. So um, it's a two way thing. We look at the uh, animal as a whole, uh, the reproductive tract and the general um, clinical exam. And then we look at the semen specifically as well. And there's certain cutoff criteria. And if they don't meet those criteria, then they are um, considered subfertile.
2: And how far in advance of breeding would we need to be checking these bulls?
1: Yeah, so that's quite important because um, if a bull has an injury and its sperm diet takes a certain period of time for that cycle to be completed and for fresh, uh, healthy sperm to be able to be produced. Um, So we always advise that at least six weeks before you're going to turn your bull out with your cows, To get them tested because if they fail it gives you enough time to find a new bull or if they fail um, but we think it's something that happened in the past and they're over it now it gives them time for a new cycle of sperm to be produced and for them to then be um, be tested again uh, just before they go with the bulls just uh, cows sorry just to check that they are definitely fertile
2: all right cool so apart from the bull which is obviously 50 percent of your herd really what else can we do to tighten
1: a herd's calving block? So body condition scoring is really important. So there are certain targets for different times of year. Uh, that was in my article. There's also a lot of stuff on the internet you can look at as well. Um, but it's, a, it's about ensuring that they reach those target body condition scores at the right times of year. Um, if you have a very skinny cow at calving, like I said before, she's going to struggle to get in calf quickly. Um, so I would say the best time to alter body condition score is about midway through pregnancy by the time you get to the last trimester you don't want to be altering body condition in cows because it can lead to problems at calving so you want to ensure that you're at the you you're at the right body condition score and you maintain that about mid-pregnancy so when a cow calves she is going to be losing weight likely um, as the calf is drinking a lot. So when she reaches peak lactation, when she's feeding the calf the most, she's gonna be struggling. So it's really important that if you're a spring calver, when your cows, go out, when cows and calves go out, that the cows go out onto a good plane of nutrition. So uh, ca- uh, grass management is really important. That being said, uh, especially recently, we've been struggling with the grass because it's so weather dependent. So if you think your cows are struggling, when they've got calves at foot, supplementary feeding out in the field is definitely
0: a good idea. And when's the best time to do this body condition scoring Laura?
1: So uh, I'd say at calving, calving also at housing which coincides with weaning quite often. Now, is, it, is it a complicated process to go through? Do, can you just do it by eye? What's the best way to do it? There's a lot of information out there on how to learn how to body condition score cows. It's important that it's the same person doing it every time because everyone will come out with a slightly different body condition score of a cow. So for consistency, it's best for one person to be doing it. Um, It involves looking at the cow and also getting your hands on the cow. It's a step-by-step process and it involves a few things. And you can find that information in a lot of places as well as talking to your vet as well. Um, But you do need to get hands on. And... It's not necessarily about the exact score that the cow has, but it's the trend. Is she gaining condition or is she losing condition?
2: Well, that's really helpful and I suppose your vet could train you how to do
1: it as well after that first visit. Absolutely.
0: And in terms of heifers, Laura, is there anything you need to be more concerned with there? Does age play a role in it as well?
1: So heifers generally struggle more than cows because when they first calve down they uh whereas a cow is putting her energy into milk a heifer's putting her energy into a milk but also she's putting energy into still growing because if you're carving your heifers down at two years old they haven't reached full growth yet so they they also they will struggle more than a cow so they need a bit more tlc than a cow to ensure that they don't lose too much weight uh that is why a fair few people a fair few of my farmers will carve their heifers before their cows so that they can pay particular attention to the heifers carving ensure that they're um, up on their feet before the cows then start to carve that's yeah. a really good idea so in your article you also describe
2: um, a couple of other ways to tighten up herd's carving blocks. so we've gone through body condition scoring what
1: else uh, can we do to achieve it so um thinking so for your late calving cows they need their 50 days um, recovery time before they can then uh, achieve a pregnancy so if you've got a cow that's carved right at the end of the block she then needs another 50 days by which point the earlier calving cows have already been with the bull for six weeks if you allow her to go with the bull after 50 days you're dragging your calving block out even further and the problem gets worse year worse year on year so sinking is definitely an option, and you can do that as early as 30 days post calving. So 30 days after she's calved, as long as everything's gone well, she hasn't had a cesarean, or um, she's not really struggling with her body condition. You can sink a cow, which means basically we use hormones to manipulate her estrus cycle, um, and then she bulls at a very specific time that we know, uh, we know when that's gonna happen, and then we artificially inseminate her. Costs-wise, well, firstly, it's far less than feeding a empty cow through the winter. Um, it depends on the vet and the practice, and how much they charge for their um, drugs, etc. But let's say a seeder protocol that I use would be around £30 for the drugs. Let's say a straw of semen was £20, and that is massively variable depending on the quality of the all being used but let's say 20 pounds and then let's say um so locally our ai guys will charge 10 pound a cow so that's about 60 pounds you're talking to sink a cow
2: and um i I don't know about you guys but when um when we design sinking protocols in practice one of the things that i like to emphasize to my farmers is that this does actually take time to enact so it's not like you can sort of inseminate in three days time that they are widely variable aren't they those programs absolutely
1: yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, the one I use is about a nine-day um, from putting the what we call the cedar in until um, artificial insemination is about nine days. And getting those cows AI'd earlier means that they don't keep slipping back and back and back.
0: You're also getting some semen into those cows, aren't you? One way yeah. or another. <laughs> Absolutely,
1: yeah. And also, the added benefit is that you could... Um, the semen you use or the bull you use you can look at estimated breeding values for let's say 200 day weight and if you choose bulls that are um, superior you can end up with heavier calves at weaning and gain money that way you can put about 100 pounds on on to a calf from using um a bull that has good ebvs for 200 day weight do you have to use ai with a synchronizing protocol for a fixed time protocol, I would always be doing that. But there are other protocols um, you can use where the bull would be able to detect that she was bullying. Um, so yes, it is an option. It's just not as tightly controlled um, as I think it should be if you are trying to really tighten your block.
0: Laura, would you um, consider synchronising cows earlier on, so before the start of the block, to tighten up that calving period, as in like? Non cycling cows or anything, or using um, I know people use prostaglandin in heifers or things like that. Um, after generally. they've calved, yes, sorry, yeah,
1: yeah, so yeah, um, I do know some people that use just a prostaglandin shot to help um, bring them bullying quicker, so yeah, that is something else that can be looked at. I mean, it should be looked at with the vet that you're working with, um, but yeah, there are there are ways of using hormones to uh, bring a group cycling as well.
2: So what if we didn't want to go down the hormone route? Is there another way that we can we look at tightening blocks without that, like with temporary weaning that you described?
1: Yeah. So it's a relatively, I would say not a huge number of people are using it. I don't know about you guys, whether you guys have any clients that are using this method. I
0: don't actually,
1: Laura. So I'm keen to hear a bit more. Yeah. So, it, there is there are different methods of doing it so um you can so as we know the act of suckling a calf suckling a cow prevents uh the cow being able to bull essentially and they need to bull to be able to conceive a pregnancy so yeah there's two ways of doing this the there is temporary weaning and then there's restricted suckling so temporary weaning is where the um calves are removed from the cows for a certain period of time normally it's 48 hours at a time and then there's restricted, restricted suckling. so that's normally twice a day sucking. so they're allowed to be with the cows to feed twice a day rather than being with the cows the whole time and they've shown that by doing that the cows will come bullying earlier than they would do if the cows were just running with the calves.
0: Is there any particular cows you would do this on or is it just the whole group? I would
1: say you would do it as a group if you're going to do it because it is not a small thing to undertake. It's practically, it's not easy having to bring the cows in multiple times a day uh, if you did it that way or if they were housed at the time, separating the calves from the cows multiple times. You know, It's not an easy thing to do. So I'd say if you're going to undertake it, you'd undertake it um, as a whole group. However, twin bearing cows, the the effect of having the calf, both calves sucking them is even worse than a single calf. If you see what I mean, so if you weren't wanting to do it on the whole group, you if you had a fair few twin-bearing cows in the herd, then you could do it to just the twin-bearing cows.
2: So, Laura, if if this has piqued a farm's interest and they want to get some more information on on how to do all of this, where do you think the best place for them to go
1: is? I'd start with your vet and also i think it's really helpful when farmers talk to other farmers because they have the experience and they can um bounce ideas off of each other so someone might have had a let's say 16 uh, week block and they managed to reduce it to a 12 week and so talking between Uh, yourselves is a great idea definitely talking to the vet because they can work out um, where it's going wrong and what areas they can focus on Uh, and also i mean the internet's a wealth of knowledge as well and there's loads of stuff you can look up on there
2: you raise a good point there actually about about farmers actually being able to discuss this with each other because i feel like in the light of covid we we haven't really had as many meetings um as we might do but i wonder if if we have farmers out there who who do want to have discussion forums, Um, maybe they could contact their vets and and we could facilitate online discussions. Do you think that would be a good idea?
1: Yeah, absolutely,
2: yeah. All right then, so I guess the the lesson there is if you do want to have a a chat about this, then to get in touch with your vet. And I suppose the more takers we get, the more that we can consider doing a, a sort of online meeting. Um, with some good case examples and, and good resources for you all. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk about our, our take-home points from, from Laura's article. Where was the article published, Laura? In the Farmer's Guardian, I believe. Ah, Farmer's Guardian. So, so anyone can just pick up a copy of that, I suppose. But if you were to try and um, condense your article into a succinct message, uh, what do you think that would be?
1: A tighter carving block is going to earn you more money. The main things that prevent you from doing this are having cows that are under-conditioned at calving and using bulls that aren't necessarily entirely fertile and there are many options to improve your calving block and I would say start by talking to your vet to work out whereabouts it's going wrong and what areas you can focus on to shorten that block. Brilliant.
0: Thanks very much Laura, that was great.
2: <laughs> I've, I've learned quite a bit. Um, Claire, do you have sort of consultations about doing this on your farms?
0: Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I think, it's a, I think it's a really important area. I think it's something that farmers often worry about is having, having a shorter carving block because I think they worry that they'll lose cows out of it. But I think when you add up the financials like Laura's done, it may, certainly makes sense to look into it a little bit further for people. So I think including it as part of your herd health planning is probably a really important place to put it. And also looking at your, um, your calendar, your beef calendars and seeing when things need to be done at different times a year can be really helpful and something that vets can get involved with too. Definitely. Yeah, that's a really
2: good point yeah. because um, at the moment uh, we're getting a lot of uh, requests, I suppose, for, for herd health planning because uh, various farm assurance are doing their, their rounds for inspections and that's, that's a golden opportunity, isn't it? To sit down and be like, look, let's look at everything that's wrong and whether your motivation is um is you know finance and profitability or improving the welfare of, of those uh, calves and removing that pathogen load um there's there's certainly like a, a way we can motivate everybody to to tighten
1: these these up absolutely and claire you said i find it interesting and i completely agree with you you say that farmers don't like the thought of getting you know getting rid of cows um, on the financial side of things but with how difficult the beef industry is at the moment we ca- they cannot afford to be carrying cows that aren't producing anything for them it's just economically doesn't make sense
0: you're exactly right definitely and i think people often just leave the bull in in the hopes that something might happen whereas ultimately those cows aren't contributing are they no
2: no, but the beauty of this as well is that you don't have to cull cows that you like. Like how many times have you been to farms and you, you've advised a cull and they, you know, they say, no, it's, it's my favourite cow or I really like this cow and I want to give her another chance. This is a perfect way to, to keep those animals on farm, but also keep them productive. So it, you know, it doesn't have to mean a sort of culling sentence for them.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, we, and I didn't mention it, but unless you scam cows you don't know which of those cows are going to carve late and you need to be planning before carving happens of which cows you're going to sink and catch early after they've carved. So I didn't mention before, but scanning cows to know what's in calf and when is so important.
2: I think that's a really good takeaway actually. I, th- I think scanning cows gives us such a brilliant picture of what's going on and allows us to sort of order our priorities on farm. So certainly, we would love to do some more beef scanning. Um, I don't know about you guys.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree. We often we will scan some cows, but we'll often do them very late as well. And by which point, sometimes it can be really difficult to tell when those cows are going to calf. So, I yeah, like, really tricky.
2: How <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, guys, we find ourselves with a platform here. So, how how old do we want these pregnancies to be when we are scanning them? When is ideal for us? Less than five months in calf. Yep, sounds good to me. I think also um, we we might have like skipped over it a little bit, but Laura, you did point this out at the beginning. Having this long carving block is is absolutely exhausting. And yeah. you, you rightly said, you know, the way the way things are in the beef industry at the moment, you want to try and make life as easy as you can for yourself because it's such a huge strain being up all night for months on end. Yeah, definitely. I think we're definitely going to touch more um on the the sort of the mental health aspects of that in, in one of our upcoming podcasts, we will have a sister podcast um, called Perspective uh, as well, but um, for vets, and we will actually be talking about um, mental health week in agriculture in our, in our next episode. So I think this, this all ties in together much as we, we don't realize it literally.
0: So thank you so much for your time Laurie. We really did enjoy our chat and uh, it's been a brilliant start to our podcast and we really can't wait to see what's in store for the future thank you for having me (laughs) so we'll be back in a month's time but for now don't forget to like and subscribe to the vet perspective for farmers podcast and tune into our sister podcast vet perspective for vets and if you'd like any more advice from your local vet please visit the vet partners website www.vetpartnersgroup.com to find your local practice thanks amy thanks all thanks very much thanks guys